Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Living Hope. Those of you who are gathered in the room, those of you joining us online, uh, we had a little uh, technical difficulty. We weren't streaming until about 30 seconds ago. So um, glad that you uh, are joining us today. And uh, for all of us, uh, whether you're here in the room or together online, we like to begin our services with this greeting Christians have been using for a long, long time. The Lord be with you. Thank you. I really do hope that uh, every, every time we gather, that it won't just be like, showing up and singing songs and going through a routine. But my hope for myself and for you every Sunday is that we really do encounter the God who meets us here, that the Lord is with us, makes his presence known to us, that, that whether it's through the songs that we sing or the prayers that we pray or the scriptures we read, or, or maybe for you it's going to be in that moment of communion at the end of the service, that at some point you'll have a very real sense that the God who made you is here with you, loves you, has grace for you, has something to teach you, has that you have an encounter with the, the living God uh, who gathers us together today. Uh, let's take a moment and pray to him as we begin. God, we are so grateful that we have this opportunity every week to, to gather together to worship you. Um, we know that you're with us all week long. We know that whatever we go through, that we're not alone, that your spirit goes with us and you are there to guide us and, and give us the courage and strength that we need. But God, it, it is helpful. It is so helpful to us uh, about once a week to get together and uh, to have a chance to sing together, to have a chance to, to pray together, to have a chance to learn together, to, to come together to your table. Now, there's something about these gathering moments that helps us to, to center ourselves on you. Uh, to, to be open to you. Sometimes we just get busy, God. Uh, sometimes it, it takes us gathering together to remember that, oh, I really do have things to be thankful for. Uh, I really do uh, have people who care about me. I really can bring my needs to the God who made me and loves me. So help us, God, today uh, to have that encounter with you, to be reminded at the core of who we are that not only did you make us, but you love us. And you're here with us. Thank you, God. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if you're interested, Abel, let's stand and let's sing as, as we begin today. Paul and Silas bound in jail Had no money for to throw them bail Keep your eyes on the prize Hold on Silas began to shout, doors swung open and they walked right out. Keep your eyes on the prize, hold on.
Got my hand on the gospel plow Won't take nothing for my journey now Keep your eyes on the prize Hold on I've never been to heaven but I've been told Streets up there are lined with gold Keep your eyes on the prize Hold on Yeah. 
one's good You sent your only son for you one good What a wonderful maker What a wonderful savior How majestic your whispers How humble your love With the strength like no other to read from Psalm chapter uh, 103, uh, verses 1 through 5. Praise the Lord, my soul, all my inmost being, praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things, so that your youth is renewed like the eagle's.
Psalm 66, shout joyful praises to God, all the earth. Sing about the glory of his name. Tell the world how glorious he is. Say to God, how awesome are your deeds. Your enemies cringe before your mighty power. Everything on earth will worship you. They will sing your praises, shouting your name in glorious songs. Pray with me, will you? Heavenly Father, we do praise you this morning. Lord, there are things going on in our world that seem a little crazy and out of our control, and they absolutely are. But you are still a good God. We still praise you, regardless of what's happening. Whether it's a little farther away in places like Kentucky, or in other countries around the world, or it's in our own communities, or our own homes even, Lord. Despite what may be happening, you are a good God, and you deserve our praise, Lord because you have done great things, you will do great things. We trust you and know that, that we can rely on you. We can, we, can, we can rest in that promise that you are a good God. Lord, I know that we have come here today with burdens. I've come with my own even, Lord. Each of us has them. But Lord, we come here this morning laying them down putting them before you and resting in the assurance, Lord, that you are already working in those circumstances and through them. And Father, regardless of what they may be, we know that you are working all things for our good and to your glory, Lord. So may we not forget that when we come out the other side of whatever circumstance we face, Lord, to give you all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise, all the blessing. Father, I pray for this service for each person that's here, for each person that's watching online or who might watch a little later, Father. Each and every person is watching and is in, in here by design, not accidentally. You've drawn us to you. You have invited us in here to your presence. We thank you for that invitation this morning, Father. And Lord, we pray that everything that is said and done here from the message that Pastor Rich is about to give us to the interactions that we have between each other, Lord, that all of it would be pleasing to you. And as we leave this place this morning, Lord, with the word that you have for us, that we would take that word into our homes, to our neighbors, to our communities, to our work, to wherever we find ourselves, Father, with the good news, the great news of who you are, and how you redeem us, and all that you've done, all that you've done in our lives. Again, Father, I thank you. I can never thank you enough 
We can't thank you enough collectively. But we will do our best. And we will continue to say, bless the Lord, oh my soul, and all that is within me. We pray these things, Father, in your precious and holy name. Amen. And now the peace of the Lord be with you. All right, take a few minutes and pass the peace between yourselves um, as you're comfortable, and Pastor Rich will be coming forward. Oh, man. Once again, I find myself glad to uh, be a part of a church where you guys actually like each other. You know, you, you couldn't do this in some places, right? I mean, you, you just turn around, and you shake a hand, you sit down, you hope nobody else talks to you or leaves you alone or something like that. But uh, you guys actually seem to enjoy being together. That's a good thing. Uh, if at some point you have a, a prayer need or a request or a way to, that you want to share, a, like a thanksgiving that you're giving to God because he's answered a prayer, anything like that, or if you just want to connect with somebody, you can, uh, you can fill out one of those little green cards back there, or you can go to livinghope.info slash connect, especially those of you who are joining us online, we would love to hear from you. And uh, oh, which reminds me, back in the day before COVID, we had a, a bigger handout that we gave out e each week, and it had inside, on, on the back of there, ways we could be praying for each other. And so you guys would, would share a prayer request with us, and in, with your permission, we would then share it with the rest of the church. So like the next Sunday, it would be on the back praying. You know, people would uh, ask, like, you know, hey, can you be praying for so-and-so? They're sick, or can you pray for my neighbor? I'm trying to connect with them in a way that helps them to experience God's love, or whatever it might be. And uh, we'd shoot a little email out during the week, and then the next week it'd be on the bulletin. And some of you have said, hey, can we bring that back? We miss like, praying for each other and knowing how to pray for each other. And so uh, we're hoping to bring that back next week. So if you do, give us a, a way to be praying for you uh, or praying for a friend or a neighbor or something like that. Um, there are going to be other people joining in praying. It won't just go to me and I'm praying for you, but you'll have other folks from the church that will be able to pray for you as well. So, uh, so please do take advantage of that. Know that there are people here who care about you and would love to be joining you in prayer for whatever it is that you're facing, all right? Um, so, okay, and then also uh, those little cards, if you fill them out in the back, you can drop them in the box. If you're giving today, you can drop that in there as well, or you can go to livinghope.info slash give, and you can give there. Um, we have uh, we've encouraged you for quite a while to, uh, to also give to needs around the world through Nazarene Compassionate Ministries. And, uh, and so the link on the front of this little handout used to be longer and show you, take you directly to the Ukraine page. But, uh, but now with different things happening, uh, like here in this country, some of the flooding that's happened uh, down south and things like that, if you just go to ncm.org, uh, then there's, a, there's like a link to all projects. Or you can, oh, that's how I found it. I just went, hit the Give Now button. And then once you're in the give area, there's like, well, what you can just give to the general fund, or you can click on a thing to see all the different projects, and you can see all the different areas, specific areas you can give to. One of those is Ukraine, one of those has to do with flooding, uh, and that sort of thing. So if you want to do that, that, that opportunity is there for you. Um, thank you to all of you who uh, generously came out and brought meals this past week for Family Promise for the couple that we hosted here. Uh, they were uh, very grateful. I just talked to them again this morning before they headed out, and uh, they were very grateful that this past week, instead of having to try to you know, sleep in their truck or something like that, uh, they were able to stretch out on an air mattress, have a safe place, uh, you know, climate controlled, all of that, and meals that you provided for them. So thank you uh, for caring for your neighbors and giving in that way. And... Um, Next week, 
I'm just sitting here looking like, what else did I need to tell you about? Oh, next week we are going to have breakfast together between the services. So uh, thank you to Howard and the guys that help him to serve that. Next week, stick around in between. We'll have, have a little breakfast together. You get to chat with some of the folks that come at 1030 or bring a friend if you'd like. Uh, you can just bring him to breakfast or you can say, hey, join me for church. And we're going to have breakfast together. Uh, that works too. And, uh, and I did le- need to let you know, we would gotten something, I'm sorry, I had gotten something goofed up about the free bike giveaway. Uh, I was thinking it was going to be this coming Saturday, the 13th. It's not, it's the 20th. So I hope you haven't told all your friends to be here on the 13th. If so, there's not going to be bikes out there. Uh, but on the 20th, there will be from 9 to noon, Saturday, August 20th, there'll be bikes out there. And, uh, and that's, uh, we're, we're glad for that partnership that uh, where those guys receive all the donated bikes that we give them, they fix them up, and they're ready to give them out again. So I think that's all I needed to, to share with you as far as announcements and that, that good stuff. Um, so I'm, I was glad uh, this last week um, to see Jason up here and some of the teens, especially those who are graduating, uh, sharing kind of the difference that God's made in their lives. And uh, on one of the things he talked about, um, well, no, sorry, sorry. I'm going back to this uh, Bible stories for grown-ups thing, and uh, I had two different stories I wanted to do this week and next week, and I, I ended up flipping them. Sorry. So next week is going to connect a little bit with some of the things he talked about. This week just has to do with uh, life being challenging sometimes. Uh, there's a story in the, in the Old Testament, way back in the first book of Genesis, that, uh, uh, that I can connect with, and I'm guessing you can too, uh, because... It's a character whose life just seemed like a roller coaster. And I'm guessing you felt that way sometimes, right? Where it's like, everything is going great, you're loving it, and then the next thing you know, like, it takes a turn, and everything is going wrong, right? It seems like one thing piles on top of another thing, piles on top of another thing. Uh, and I know from talking to some of you, as you call me, <laughs> you're like, ugh, life is hard right now, I need prayer, I need help, because this happened, and then this happened, and then this happened. And, uh, and sometimes it just feels like we can't catch a break. And that's kind of what it seems like for the life of this guy named Joseph back in Genesis. Um, he's the one that they uh, made the musical about with the amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat, you know, and all of that. Um, we don't actually know if it was, uh, you know, Technicolor or colorful or whatever. The Hebrew word translated there is not, uh, not clear. But uh, it might have been all you know, colorful. It might have just been beautiful. It might have been long sleeve. We're not sure. That's like one of those uncommon words. But regardless of what his robe looked like, man, this guy went through the ringer starting from the time he was young. Uh, his story starts out in Genesis chapter 37. It says, when Joseph was 17 years old, he often tended his father's flocks. He worked for his half-brothers, the sons of his father's wives, Bilhah and Zilpah. So this is a family already there, like multiple moms involved, right? And uh, so lots of half-brothers in, in this family. He's working for some of his half-brothers, but Joseph reported to his father some of the bad things his brothers were doing. So already we see Joseph is a snitch, right? <laughs> so Joseph already is kind of creating, maybe creating some tension in his family with some of this. And then if that weren't bad enough, his dad contributes. Jacob loved Joseph more than any of his other children because Joseph had been born to him in his old age. So that always works well, right? When parents play favorites. Um, some of you maybe had, had some of that, right? Uh, of course, I was my parents' favorite child, uh, in case my sister's watching. Um, that's not true. But, um, you know, if you bumped into that, this is, you know, Joseph is in this kind of scenario. Uh, his dad is playing favorites. And one day, Jacob had this special gift made for Joseph, a beautiful robe. But his brothers hated Joseph because their father loved him more than the rest of them. They couldn't say a kind word to him. If that wasn't bad enough, Joseph makes it worse. One night, Joseph had a dream. And when he told his brothers about it, they hated him more than ever. 
Listen to this dream, he said. We were out in the field tying up bundles of grain. Suddenly my bundle stood up, and your bundles all gathered around and bowed low before mine. His brothers responded, so you think you'll be our king, do you? Do you actually think you will reign over us? And they hated him all the more because of his dreams and the way he talked about them. So 17-year-old Joseph is um, maybe like a typical 17-year-old, right? And uh, he doesn't have a whole lot of sense yet, maybe, you know. Uh, I know I didn't have a whole lot of sense when I was 17. Still working on some of it. Um, <clears throat> but he didn't, you know, hadn't thought about how his brothers were going to take this, you know. And uh, maybe he hadn't realized, like, oh, this, they're not going to enjoy hearing about it. Maybe I should keep this dream to myself. But he didn't. He shared it with his brothers, and they hated him all the more. Uh, the Bible is full of stories of, what do we call them now, dysfunctional families, I think, right? Uh, families that don't function the way that you think families should, right? Where there's tension, where there's family favorites, where there's uh, actual hatred. Uh, I think it was a couple of weeks ago when I was talking, telling the story about David, who, you know, killed the giant Goliath. And, and if you keep reading David's story, man, that gets messy. Him and his, one of his kids tries to kill him. Uh, one of his kids rapes one of his half-sisters. There's, there's all kinds of family mess going on in the story of David and his family. And the same thing is true here in Joseph's family. From the time he's young, some of it beyond his control, some of it, it's his responsibility. His life is, uh, is not great already starting out. So soon after this... Um, his brothers are out in the field, and his dad sends Joseph out to, to take him some stuff. And, and it says when Joseph's brothers saw him coming, they recognized him in the distance, probably because of the fancy robe he's wearing. And as he approached, they made plans to kill him. So his brothers have decided, we're sick of this dreamer. Uh, let's, just, let's just get rid of him. And uh, one of his brothers is uh, like, I guess maybe a little softer toward him and says, well, let's, let's just throw him in this empty well. You know, thinking, I'll come back later, you know, and I'll, and I'll rescue him, you know. But we can just throw him in this well. We don't have to get our hands dirty. We'll just throw him in this well. He won't be able to get out, and he'll, he'll just die there. Uh, and that's, so that's what they do. He gets there. They rip that robe off of him. They throw him down in the well. And as they're sitting around laughing about, you know, bye-bye Joseph, then all of a sudden there's this caravan of uh, slave traders going by on the way to on the way to Egypt. And, and so then we get in verse 26, Judah says to his brothers, what will we gain by killing our brother? We'd have to cover up the crime. Instead of hurting him, let's sell him to these Ishmaelite traders. And so that's what they do. They haul him up. They sell him to those guys. They get a little silver to line their pockets. And then, well, then it says they, the brothers killed a young goat and dipped Joseph's robe in its blood. They sent the beautiful robe to their father with this message. Look at what we found. Doesn't this robe belong to your son? And Jacob makes the assumption they knew he would. Oh, my son has been killed by a wild animal. It says he, he mourned for his son for a long time. And they tried to cheer him up, but he, he refused to be comforted. He said, I'll go to my grave mourning my son Joseph. Joseph's life starts out, I mean, I guess it probably felt good, right, to be the favorite of your dad, right, to be the one that gets all the special perks. But that didn't make things go well between the, him and his brothers. And so now he's got brothers who are wanting to kill him and then selling him into slavery. And, and here he is, gone, you know, on this caravan headed to, headed to Egypt. Probably never going to see his family again, right? The dreams he might have had seemingly dashed. And uh, 
I don't know if any of us have ever been sold into slavery, but I'm guessing we have had moments where we think, you know, the life that we had anticipated all of a sudden is no longer an option, right? The, the, the future that we thought we were going to have is, is suddenly gone. And that's where Joseph found himself. Now, when he gets there, when he gets to Egypt, things take a turn. It says, when Joseph was taken to Egypt by the Ishmaelite traders, he was purchased by Potiphar, an Egyptian officer. Potiphar was the captain of the guard for Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. The Lord was with Joseph. So this is something, uh, just a brief pause. Wherever you go, whatever happens to you, God is there, right? And the Lord doesn't leave you when you go through difficulty. And uh, especially for the people of Israel, they had this real sense that God is, is here, like right in Israel. He's given us this land later in their story. Uh, he's given us this land. Here is this temple. This is where God has said his presence can be found. And when they get hauled off to exile, when they get sent to Babylon or to Assyria or in Joseph's case earlier in the story to Egypt, there was this question in their minds of like, was well, God here too or is God just back there, right? And this story is reminding us, no, it doesn't matter where you are or what happens to you, the Lord is with you. And the Lord was with Joseph. So he succeeded in everything he did as he served in the home of his Egyptian master. Potiphar noticed this and realized that the Lord was with Joseph, giving him success in everything he did. This pleased Potiphar. So he soon made Joseph his personal attendant. He put him in charge of his entire household and everything he owned. From the day Joseph was put in charge of his master's household and property, the Lord began to bless Potiphar's household for Joseph's sake. All his household affairs ran smoothly, and his crops and livestock flourished. So Potiphar gave Joseph complete administrative responsibility over everything he owned. With Joseph there, he didn't worry about a thing, except what kind of food to eat. <laughs> like, this is all Potiphar had to think about anymore. What will I have for dinner? What will I have for my midnight snack? He didn't have to worry about anything else, because Joseph was in charge, and Joseph handled everything beautifully. I heard from one of you uh, when we were talking about Daniel and uh, how he had a similar experience. Daniel in the lion's den and how God was with Daniel and caused things to flourish. And we were talking about uh, how God sends us to, to, to bless the, the city we live in, to bless, uh, even if we're living as exiles, that we have this, uh, this responsibility, this call from God to, to bless our neighbors while, while maintaining our loyalty to God, right? To bless our nation to do good for those around us, even if they might not recognize God, even if they might, you know, have agendas that are different from ours, we can still bless them and love them and serve them and work for their good while maintaining our loyalty to God. And, and somebody followed up with me after that, and uh, as we were talking about Daniel and everything going well, um, they're like, yeah, that's the kind of experience they had had too in their work, you know, that like they had seen this played out in their life. They stay true to God, and God blesses them. And uh, now I know that sometimes life doesn't seem like it goes that way. Joseph himself has all kinds of ups and downs. But if we remain faithful, if we trust that God is with us, if we continue to live our lives to, to honor him, then God is with us. And he does bless us even in the midst of great difficulty. And that's what he does for Joseph. So things are going well. Potiphar's whole household is blessed. And Joseph has risen to this place, kind of like the highest position you can as a slave, as a servant there in Potiphar's household. He's in charge of everything. You'd think this is like, okay, good, things are good, right? And that's how Joseph's story, you know, all right, good. He, he lives a happy, full life in charge of his, master, you know, his master's household, and all was well with Joseph. But we're about to, you know, his story's about to take a turn. Joseph was a very handsome and well-built young man, and Potiphar's wife soon began to look at him lustfully, maybe because all her husband was doing was thinking about what to eat. I don't, we don't know, but uh, 
Come and sleep with me, she demanded. But Joseph refused. Look, he told her, my master trusts me with everything in his entire household. No one here has more authority than I do. He has held back nothing from me except you, because you are his wife. How could I do such a wicked thing? It would be a great sin against God. She kept putting pressure on Joseph day after day, but he refused to sleep with her, and he kept out of her way as much as possible. He's a great example, right, to all of us of avoiding temptation and refusing to give in. Uh, even though perhaps his master never would have known, uh, he, he has integrity. He lives with integrity. Great example for us of that. One day, it says, one day, however, no one else was around when he went in to do his work. She came and grabbed him by his cloak, demanding, come on, sleep with me. Joseph tore himself away, but he left his cloak in her hand as he ran from the house. So he was so desperate to get away, he had to wiggle out of that cloak to, to escape. Now she hangs on to that cloak, and she starts telling everybody around her, ah, look, look, he came in, he disrobed in front of me. And in fact, she says she kept a cloak with her till her husband came home, and she told him her story. That Hebrew slave you brought into our house tried to come in and fool around with me, she said. But when I screamed, he ran outside, leaving his cloak with me. Potiphar was furious when he heard his wife's story about how Joseph had treated her. So he took Joseph and threw him into the prison where the king's prisoners were held. And there he remained. Some of you might be able to relate to Joseph's story there, too, right? False accusations. Somebody believed something about you that just wasn't true, and you did your best maybe to defend yourself, but it didn't matter. They didn't listen. They listened to somebody else who lied to them instead of listening to you. I mean, it happens to all of us at some point or another, right? That's what happens to Joseph. And he finds himself now in prison. And it says, there he remained. And we don't know exactly how long he remained there, but we know it was a good long while. But do you think uh, God was with him? <laughs> right? We know. God, God doesn't give up on us. God is with us even when we spend time in jail, in prison. Uh, whether you're there rightly or wrongly, God is with us no matter what. It says uh, in the next, very next verse, but the Lord was with Joseph in the prison, showed him his faithful love, and the Lord made Joseph a favorite with the prison warden. Before long, the warden put Joseph in charge of all the other prisoners and over everything that happened in the prison. The warden had no more worries because Joseph took care of everything. The Lord was with him and caused everything he did to succeed. So this seems to be a pattern with Joseph, doesn't it? No matter where he goes, no matter what he does, God is with him and helps him to do his work well, helps his work to succeed, blesses Joseph, blesses the people around Joseph. And I have to think, in part, it's because Joseph continues to live his life aware of God's presence with him. Aware. That's, remember what he said when Potiphar's wife was uh, uh, encouraging him, insisting that he sleep with her? He, he didn't just say, like, oh, I couldn't do that to my master. He said that. But then he also said it would be a great sin against God. He was aware that even in this distant land where none of my fellow, you know, worshipers of God live, you know, here in Egypt they worship other gods, but, but I'm aware that God is with me. I'm aware that God is watching. And because, I, I believe, because he lives a life aware of God's presence with him, aware that God is, that God is watching, aware that he needs to live a life that reflects God's goodness, God's integrity, that God continues to bless him. Whether he's a slave, whether he's in prison, he continues to do what is right. I just saw a friend of mine on Facebook posted this last week, like, hey, here's, a, here's that movie is finally getting released that I was an extra in. 
there was a movie that they filmed, uh, and they used a bunch of, they shared the trailer, and it was shot, a lot of it, right here in uh, Porter County Jail. That's a story about a guy named Scott who was, you know, in jail, and, and God works through his life. Now he leads, a, like, a prison ministry, a ministry to prisoners. I actually just met Scott um, just this last, this last week. Um, I'd mentioned last Sunday that, uh, that Joe Drouse had passed away, and Joe knew Scott. They had been friends for, for several years, and had spent some time in, uh, in jail and in prison together. And, uh, and Scott trusted God. God was with him, and, and now he's, you know, he lives a little further south uh, in Indiana. Um, but he came up for Joe's funeral, and, and God is at work through Scott, you know, because he trusted God, because he's, uh, and now he's letting God work through him to minister to folks who are in the same situation he was in. No matter where we are, trust God, and, and God is with us. God works through us, can bless the people around us. This is happening for Joseph. And so again, we'd think, all right, everything's good from here on out, right? But no, you know, then there's more roller coaster. And if you remember the story, you, you know that uh, Joseph, while he's uh, there in jail, there are some other folks there, uh, some fellow prisoners who are troubled because they're having dreams, and they don't make sense to them, and these dreams keep bothering them. And... and um, and so they come to Joseph, they're like, oh, this guy knows dreams, right? He, he's had dreams, he makes sense of those. And uh, Joseph helps them understand what their dreams mean. That One of them, uh, they both worked for Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and one of them is going to be back in Pharaoh's employ, you know, real soon. You're going to be back by Pharaoh's side. And, and when you're there, can you please remember me and, and mention me to Pharaoh that I shouldn't be in here, right? And the other one, he says, oh, I'm sorry, yours isn't as good. In, in just a few days, you're going to be executed. And... Um, you won't be going back to work for Pharaoh. And sure enough, a few days go by, and the one is back working for Pharaoh, and the one is executed. And the one who is back working for Pharaoh, it says, forgets about Joseph. Forgets all about him, forgets to tell Pharaoh about him, and, uh, and Joseph spends more time there in the prison. Even when we do what is right, even when we're being helpful, it doesn't always work out well right away. But eventually, Pharaoh, king of Egypt, starts having dreams, and they're troubling to him, and no one can help him figure out what this means. And that's when this guy that works for him says, oh, you know what? I was, that reminds me. I was supposed to tell you. I was in prison with a guy who knows dreams. He helped me with my dream. I bet he could help you with yours. I was supposed to tell you about him a long time ago. Hey, let's, let's call Joe. Let's call Joseph from the, from the prison. And they do. And Joseph comes and he helps Pharaoh understand the dream. That God is warning the king of Egypt that there's about to be seven years of plenty where all the crops are abundant and you got more than you, could, more than you need. And then you're going to have seven years of famine where everyone's going to be hungry and nothing's going to grow. And Joseph makes a recommendation that, hey, during these seven years of plenty, why don't we store up all the extra instead of just letting everybody waste it on parties or whatever, why don't we store up the extra in some storehouses so that when there's those seven years of famine, there's grain and, and our people won't starve. Pharaoh says, that's a great idea, and I know just the man to put in charge of that. And he puts Joseph in charge of the whole project. And, by the t and things go so well that pretty soon Joseph is basically second in command of all of Egypt. And then this famine doesn't just impact Egypt, but it impacts the neighboring countries. We've seen that, some of that lately, haven't we? As the war in Ukraine has impacted shipments around the world of, of grain and other things, you know, we, we've, we learned just how uh, our supply chains are so intertwined and, and events happening on the other side of the world can impact things right here at home. That was happening for Joseph and for Joseph's family back in Israel. They start to get hungry, and they hear there's grain in Egypt, and so Jacob sends his sons 
to Egypt to see if they can get grain. There's a whole encounter between Joseph and his brothers, and, uh, and he does some little things to kind of test them a little bit and make sure you see how they're doing and, and see if they've changed, and, and eventually he reveals himself. In fact, that's what we've got here in, in your notes in Genesis chapter 45. He says, I am Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into slavery in Egypt. But don't be upset, and don't be angry with yourselves for selling me to this place. It was God who sent me here ahead of you to preserve your lives. This famine that has ravaged the land for two years will last five more, and there will be neither plowing nor harvesting. God has sent me ahead of you to keep you and your families alive and to preserve many survivors. So it was God who sent me here, not you. And he is the one who made me an, advi an advisor to Pharaoh, the manager of his entire palace, and the governor of all Egypt. He ends up moving his, his aging father and all his brothers and their families down into Egypt where there is food and where they thrive. And when his dad passes away, his brothers are worried, like, oh, now he's going to get his revenge. Now he's going to let us have it. Now that dad's not around, now he's going to punish us because he's in charge, just like he had dreamed. Man, and they, sure enough, they had all bowed down to him when they were asking for that grain. Now he's going to get us. And so Joseph calls them together and reassures them that he's not going to hurt them and says, you planned something bad for me, but God produced something good from it in order to save the lives of many people just as he's doing today. Joseph's life was crazy. I mean, I just got to say it. It was it, the, the number of ups and downs and ups and downs and twists and turns. I, I can't imagine. If I was, if I was watching a movie of, of his life, uh, well, I just don't think they'd make it. Because, like, after the third or fourth one of those, you'd think, oh, come on, this is just unrealistic, right? Nobody has this many things, you know, go well and then go bad, and then go well and then go bad, and then go well and then go bad. But because Joseph was faithful, and because God was faithful to continue to be with him, by the end of the story, Joseph was able to look back. I, I don't know what his attitude was like in the middle. It doesn't really tell us, other than that one little moment uh, where he has to refuse the advances of his master's wife, uh, we don't really get to hear what Joseph's attitude toward any of this was. But we know that at the end of the story, with, with some perspective, he was able to look back and see, you know what? God's the one who is behind all this. Yeah, you intended that for evil, but God brought something good out of it. God got me where I needed to be. I never would have been in Egypt if you hadn't sold me into slavery. I never would have been in prison next to people who worked for Pharaoh if I hadn't been wrongly accused. I wouldn't be in the position I'm in now to help save the lives of so many, including my own brothers, my own father, if God hadn't you know, moved the, all the chess pieces on the board just right to make things happen, to get things to where they are today. Now, that doesn't mean that God caused those bad things to happen. It doesn't mean that God caused his brothers to hate him or caused them to sell him into slavery. But it says, no matter what happens, God is able to work it together for our good. God is able to work with whatever, even our worst decisions. God, God doesn't just say, oh, man, now that you've done that, all my plans are ruined. You know, No, God sees the, the horrible things that we sometimes do to each other. And God says, oh, but you know what? I still love you. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring something good out of this, something useful, something that will be good for you and for the people around you. Because God doesn't waste that hurt. God doesn't waste that pain, doesn't waste that difficulty, God brings good out of all of it. In fact, that's what the Apostle Paul was able to say on the other side of Jesus. You know, so in the New Testament, after, after Jesus came and lived and did all the good that he did, 
and nevertheless died on a cross, was crucified, executed as an enemy of the state, as an enemy of Rome. Paul and all the followers of Jesus saw that that wasn't the end, right? That God raised Jesus from the dead. And God proves that like, okay, nothing, I guess nothing can thwart God's plans, right? Nothing is greater than God's love for us because he's shown it to us in Jesus. He's shown that whatever the worst is that we can do, God can still manage to bring amazing good out of it. So that's why the Apostle Paul says in Romans chapter 8, verse 28, and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. Whatever people might do, whatever difficulties you might face, whatever danger you might experience. In fact, that's where he goes. Paul knew this from personal experience. He'd been through all kinds of ups and downs himself, all kinds of dangers as he was doing his best to, to follow God and to get the good news of Jesus out to as many as possible. And if you read the rest of Romans chapter 8, he makes that abundantly clear. I couldn't include it all in your notes, but I think I've got more of it on the screen. In verse 35, he says, Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? I imagine if he had been thinking about Joseph's story, does it mean God no longer loves us if we're sold into slavery, if our brothers hate us, if our family's dysfunctional? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we're falsely accused and we find ourselves in prison? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we go through all these things? No. Despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. And I'm convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. I don't know uh, what life has thrown your way. I, I don't know what difficulties you've encountered. I don't know what, what the roller coaster has been like. It, it, maybe it has been uh, one long dip for way too long, and your stomach dropped out a long time ago, and now you're just you know, trying to live through uh, the long, long difficulty. Uh, what Joseph's story reminds us is that God is faithful. And God is with us. That nothing can separate us from the faithful love of God that is found in Christ Jesus our Lord. I guess our only job in the middle of that is to, is to trust that that is true. Is to not just, in the middle of it, say, well, so much for that. I tried trusting God, it didn't work. Right? That's what we're tempted to do sometimes. And I've heard that from some folks, you know. Um, I'm out talking to folks in the community, and they find out I'm a pastor, and, and we talk a little bit, and I ask them, like, oh, are you connected with any church or anything like that? No, no. And sometimes their story is, I tried that. I was faithful. I put money in the box. I was there every Sunday, and still this happened. Still my daughter died. Still, you know, my spouse left me. I was, I was faithful, and I still got this disease. I, I still, you know, had this loss. And it seemed like God wasn't there. So I just kind of gave up on it. And I can understand the temptation. 
But please don't give in to that temptation. Please know that God is with you. Please know that, um, that the difficulty you're in is not the end of your story. Um, but the, having to do two different funerals last weekend, um, Saturday and Monday, uh, had myself, I was thinking about that passage from Romans about how nothing can separate us from God's love. And I was reading to people the 23rd Psalm, you know, that talks about God leading us as a good shepherd. And, and even if I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And I'm reminded that that valley, that dark, dark valley that we go through sometimes, that does not need to be where we stay. <laughs> that God is with us and can lead us through that valley. We, we've got to well, do like we sang earlier. We've got to hold on. Right? We, we can't let go. He's holding on to us. We've got to hang on to him and let him continue to guide us through until one day, we see the way that God works all these things together for our good and for the good of those around us. One day we're able to look back and say, you know, I never would have chosen that. And I wouldn't wish that on my worst enemy, what I had to go through. But you know what? God was faithful. He got me through it. And now he has helped me to grow to a place because of that. Because God got me through that. Now I'm at a place where I'm, I'm stronger than I was before. Uh, I'm wiser, man. I've had experiences that a lot of other people haven't had, and I, I know God's faithfulness in a way that other people, you know, they know about it, but I, I know about it. And now God is able to work through me to, to bless some other people in ways that I wouldn't have been able to before going through that experience. So please, uh, do like we sang about earlier. Hold on. Let's pray. Ask God to help us with this before we celebrate communion together. God, we are grateful to you that you are with us no matter what. Whether we're in the hospital, whether we're in jail, whether, whatever it might be, God, you are with us. You don't let go of us, so help us, God, not to let go of you. Not to, not to turn our backs on you or walk away from you in the midst of those trials, but help us, God, to, to trust in your unfailing love. Uh, we might need to pray some of those psalms of you know, frustration and lament, we might need to cry out, where are you, God? But help us, God, to, to, to remain connected to you, to keep reaching out to you in the midst of those difficulties, even if what our honest cry is is filled with anger or frustration, because, God, you are still there. And you hear and answer those kinds of prayers. Thank you for the example of Joseph, someone who is able to look back at the end and and testify to your faithfulness and to the ways that you were at work even through, the, through, through all the ups and downs of his life. God, we are confident that if we continue to trust you, that you will, in fact, continue to bring good even out of the greatest evil. That we, too, will be able to look back someday and see the ways that you were at work in our lives for our good, for the good of those around us. Thank you, God. We are so grateful for your faithful love that you have shown to us in your son, Jesus Christ. We believe you when you tell us that nothing can separate us from your love. We have seen this demonstrated for us in the death and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. And we celebrate that today with the sacrament of communion. We offer to you these gifts of bread and juice. And we pray that by your spirit's presence here, we might meet our crucified and risen Savior in his body 
and his blood. We remember, Lord Jesus, that you held nothing back out of love for us, that you, you came to us in our darkest moment. You experienced our sin, our violence, our dishonesty. You experienced our death. And even that couldn't stop you and couldn't stop your love for us. God, you raised him from death. You conquered sin and death and the devil so that, so that today this overwhelming victory can be ours as well. So that we don't have to be slaves to sin. So that we don't have to live in fear of death. So that we can live free. Live in the light of your love. So that we can experience your grace. Today, God, we offer you ourselves, admitting to you our need of your grace. Confessing that we have not loved you with our whole heart, soul, mind, strength. Confessing that we have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. Thank you, God, that out of love for messed up sinners like us, you sent your son. Thank you for this love that never lets us go. Thank you that when we confess our sins to you, you are faithful and just. You forgive us our sins and you cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You wash it away, God. You set us free. You break the chains. You help us to live a life with you, aware of your presence, aware of your love. Thank you, God, for this faithful love you've shown us in Jesus Christ. Thank you that today we get to have this confidence, this assurance, this freedom, this grace. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you pray with me the prayer that Jesus taught us? Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Uh, the Svalbards are going to come and, and lead us in one final song as we celebrate communion together. Uh, I'll be here with a basket of bread and a cup of juice. And as we sing, you're invited to come forward, take bread from the basket, dip it in the juice and eat it, and then return to your seats. Uh, this is open to all of us who are saying yes to Jesus today, who are hungry for his grace, for his love. Uh, we've got the regular bread and the gluten-free, and we've got the little cups in here that you can take back and open. Or if you don't want to get so close to people uh, in coming forward, we've got those little cups on your table as well. And as we sing, you can, you can peel it back and get to the bread and, and get to the juice. So uh, let's celebrate uh, the love of God that he's shown us in his son, Jesus Christ.
standing best for a world of lost sinners was slain. So I'll cherish the old rugged cross till my trophies at last I lay down. I will cling to your rugged cross and exchange it someday. So despised by the world has a wondrous attraction for me. For the dear Lamb of God left his glory above to bear it to dark Calvary. So I'll cherish the old. Thank you again, God, for the love you have shown us in your son, Jesus Christ. The lengths you were willing to go to, to make sure that we knew your love, to make sure that we know that you are with us no matter what, that even the darkest depths of human experience, even to the point of death, you are there.
giving us life, shining your light, healing our brokenness, forgiving our sins. Thank you, God. Fill us today with the spirit of Christ, we pray, so that as we leave this place, we go as, as people who carry your love and your grace to people who so desperately need it. You have encouraged us, God. Help us to be an encouragement to others. You have been kind to us, God. Would you help us to be kind to others? You have been gracious to us, God. Would you help us to be gracious to others? Thank you, God. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.